Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and we always like to talk about the Kingdom of God in relationship to what's going on in the world, because we know that the Kingdom of God is not of the world. It's on the planet, but it's not of the world. And by the world, we mean the constitutional orders and systems of government, because that's what is the definition of the word that Christ used when he said, my kingdom's not of this world. He came preaching a kingdom, telling us about the kingdom, telling secrets and mysteries about the kingdom to his chosen disciples that he called out to be his disciples, which of course means students. That's what disciples mean. Someone who has come to learn something from a teacher. And that's what Christ was often called, was a teacher. Because he was teaching people. He was the Christ, uh, which means the Messiah, the anointed, uh, the king of Judea. And uh, he was the highest son of David, proclaimed that by thousands of people who followed him. And his strange new ways, which weren't that new, but were quite different than the ways of the Pharisees. And the problem today, as we were listening in the news just before the program, they're talking about inflation, they're talking about gas prices, they're talking about uh, the Ukraine. Uh, I just got news from people that have been to the Burning Bush Festival that, uh, uh, that we know that are from the Ukraine, speak Ukrainian, and uh, have lived here in the country for quite a while. They got most of their relatives out of the Ukraine. Uh, just got that news yesterday. They got them as far as Germany. Uh, I'm not sure if they all made it to Germany. They probably have by now. But uh, that includes the 86-year-old grandma. Now, the men who were of fighting age, they were not allowed to leave. They are forced and scripted into the army, and they must stay and fight. And uh, that's because Ukraine hasn't been a free country for... Hundreds of years, probably. <laughs> it's, it's always been dominated by somebody else or dom, dominated by the oligarchies there, dominated by the politics there. And that domination is the result of what? What is causing that domination of the people of the Ukraine? Uh, this problem in the Ukraine is actually connected to what we talked about last week was Acts twenty one twenty five. And uh, if you understood Acts 21-25, which none of the churches that I have seen so far in the Ukraine, I've looked at a lot of the different churches and what they're preaching, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, but none of them have a clue about the meaning of Acts 21-25, which was, of course, about the Gentiles who had begun to follow the ways of Christ and uh, they were eating at the table of Christ. They were eating of the Eucharist of Christ. See, a lot of people aren't going to understand what I mean by that because they don't understand what Christ meant by those words, Eucharist uh, of Christ. That was the bread that people received from the ministers of the kingdom who had been disciples but then appointed a kingdom and told not to be like the Gentiles 
who call themselves benefactors but exercised authority one over the other. And now in Acts 21-25, we have Gentiles, other nations, who are following Christ, and they have to change because they were Gentiles, they were like the Gentiles, they went to governments of the Gentiles for their daily bread, for their free bread, for their Eucharist <laughs> of the world, which was the benefits, the free bread of Rome, the gifts, gratuities, and benefits offered by the fathers of the Roman Empire, the Patronus, the senators. All the senators were called father, Patri, Cicero, etc. We've talked about all that. Most of these churches don't tell you that. So you won't know what Jesus was talking about when he says, call no man on earth father. You won't know that. Now, the people back then... At the time of Jesus Christ, because they understood the context of their own language and their own politics and their own history, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, call no man on earth father. What a lot of them did not understand is when he said, when you pray, you pray to our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Not hallowed be the name of the president of Rome. Uh, which was called Principas Civitas. That's the first citizen. That's what president comes from, that idea. of that they're, You're all citizens, but there's a first citizen who gets to make choices for you. And, you know, when the, there wasn't even a Caesar around uh, 50, 60 years before, at least 100 years before, I know. It depends on where we're talking. But by the time Jesus was saying that, it was probably... Uh, 50 to 80 years after the first Caesar, uh, depending on how you count things. But there had been transitions in the Republic. Roma had been a Republic. It wasn't a Republic anymore at the time of Jesus Christ. They still use that word Republic, just like they do in the United States. But they're not really a Republic, because nobody lived in the Republic anymore. <laughs> they all lived in the the socialist democracy that Rome had become. And that's why Plutarch says that he who destroyed Rome was he who spread amongst them gifts, gratuities, and benefits, which he said was the greatest destroyers of liberty. So he knew that, but there's a lot of other things Plutarch didn't know, so we don't necessarily go to Plutarch for advice, and I only quote Plutarch and, and Polybius to show you that the ideas of John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, and the apostles were not unique to Christianity, which is why some Gentiles... Hearing Christ talking about call no man on earth father and showing people another way to attain social benefits through the liberty of choice, what Paul calls the perfect law of liberty. They said, I, yeah, I'd like that. I want to be a part of that. And they sat down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands with Christians and they became the Gentiles who began to follow the Lord, follow the way of Jesus Christ. And they became a part of the Lord's family, which is what they say in Acts 21-25. But they had to change something. Yeah, They probably got baptized and, uh, you know, as that point of reference that, okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to wash myself of all this nonsense that I have been following and maybe my father followed and now I'm going to join the Lord's family, but I'm going to have to abstain 
from meats sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what is strangled, and from fornication. And all those things are metaphors for the way in which the Gentiles related to their government prior to becoming a part of the Lord's table. They were no longer going to eat of the table of Caesar, of the Patronuses, of the fathers of the Senate. They weren't going to eat at that table because as David said, and Paul quoting David, what should have been for your welfare is actually a snare. Or we could quote Proverbs that uh, if you sit and eat with a ruler, which is what the Gentiles had been doing for at least a generation or more, that you were to put a knife to your throat if you be a man of appetite. In other words, if you liked those benefits and you wanted more of those benefits of those men who exercised authority one over the other. Christ forbid his disciples, who were becoming the apostles and the Sanhedrin of Christ and, and the 120 in the upper room, he forbid them to be like those other governments who exercised authority. It's very clear in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's amazing. You know, there are some doctrines of the modern church that are only found in one or maybe two Gospels. And they say, this is the doctrines of Christ. But no. If Christ didn't say it, it's not his doctrines. It's the doctrines that you find in the Bible, like some of the doctrines of Matthew and some of the doctrines of Luke, but neither one of those guys were... Actually, you know, they're putting down what they believe and what they believe may be true. And you can certainly believe it if it's in the Bible. You may not understand it, so you have to be careful what you believe that's in the Bible. Because your understanding, you may believe in your understanding, but your understanding is not guaranteed to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. That they were inspired, the translators that translated the Bible from the language they wrote into the language that we see today, they may not have been inspired. But if that's okay if you're inspired by the Holy Spirit, because it is the Holy Spirit that is the comforter. The things that I'm pointing out to you is I'm just showing you what the churches in Ukraine and the churches in Grant's Pass, I just had a communication with a minister in Grant's Pass, who hasn't got a clue as to what the gospel of the of Jesus Christ was. As far as I can see of anything they said, I had communications with another guy who just published a book, and I read a large, you know, not half the book probably, but uh, quite a few chapters into the book, and I finally wrote him, and I says, okay, where? <laughs> because the book is supposed to be about the way. And I says, I can't find anything where you're actually talking about the way that the early Christians went. Which here in Acts 21-25 we see. And if we really understood this, if the Ukrainians really understood this, they wouldn't be invaded now by Russians. And if the Russians really understood this, they wouldn't need to invade the Ukraine. And the Ukraine wouldn't be trying to become a part of NATO. <laughs> <laughs> to, to upset uh, the the Russians, to tempt them to, you know, I mean, all this could have been avoided easily. Uh, now, what's really going on? You, If you're listening to the news, you probably haven't got a clue of what's really going on <laughs> in the Ukraine. And like I said, 
you know, we, we know people in Ukraine, but the critical thing is you have to know Christ. And if you really knew what Christ was saying, you wouldn't have any trouble with Acts 21-25. And that's why we started the program last week talking about that and some of the conversations I had with people who think they don't eat meat sacrificed to idols, and they do. They think they don't eat meat with blood in it, and they do. And they don't think they eat what is strangled, and they do. And they don't think they commit fornication, but they do. <laughs> so, what am I talking about? I mean, that is just crazy. Uh, but we will get into that more and more. We always keep going back to that. We have articles up on idols at preparingyou.com. And we have audios and a lot of these things, you know, blood, uh, what the Eucharist is, uh, all these things. And lots and lots of footnotes so you can check it out for yourself because we don't want you to believe me. We don't want you to follow me. We want you to believe Jesus Christ. And we want you to follow the way of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, many people are not doing that because they have the obstacle of false teachers who have been telling you that words mean certain things when they know in their own definitions, in their own concordances, that those words actually mean something else. So what we are doing is pointing out all the things they don't show you and allow you to make the choice yourself. And we're going to talk a lot about choice too. The other thing that uh, came up this week a lot and was coming up in the news is the price of gas. And somebody was saying that, uh, uh, how do you like your capitalism now? Because <laughs> so, the price of gas is going up so much, which is going to make food go up. You know, a lot of people don't realize the Ukraine grows about 30% of the wheat that's coming out of Europe and the Soviet Union. Soviet between the Soviet Union and, and mostly the Ukraine, they grow a lot of the wheat that is consumed in Europe. I mean, a lot. And uh, most of it is probably grown over there on the eastern side of the Ukraine, which is the, the Russians are claiming that. And why are the Russians doing all this? We'll, we'll get into that later. And we'll only we're only doing it so you can see the process of going the opposite way that Jesus said to go, so that you understand where and what it means to repent, to think differently. Because the reason all this is going on is in America, in the Ukraine, in the, in the former Soviet Union, and what is now Russia, maybe desiring to be the Soviet Union again. Who knows? I Personally, I don't think Putin is making all these decisions. Uh... Putin is, you know, the head of Russia, but Russia is full of oligarchies, full of all kinds of powers, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like Iraq, uh, with Saddam Hussein. People said he was a totalitarian dictator, and, and, and to some degree he was, um, or Gaddafi, and to some degree he was, but Gaddafi brought the standard of living up in Libya unbelievably unbelievably, and gave all kinds of rights to the people. He didn't do it in the right way, but if you've read his green book, you'd understand, well, at least what he was trying to do. And if you understood the gospel, you would understand where he went wrong. 
But the same thing could be said by about a lot of these countries uh, from the Constitution of the United States, which we have a whole book on, Contracts, Covenants, and Constitution, which you can go up to our website at hisholychurch.org and search for that name and find that book and read it for free. We we don't put a lot of links on the in the website straight to the book, but we have a search engine on all the pages where you can look for it and find it. Because we're a firm believer in seek and you shall find. We don't want to just go out and hand it to everybody. If people aren't willing to look and seek the truth, then they probably, the truth wouldn't do them any good. They would either ignore it or misuse it or what have you. So anyway, the the price of gas is because uh, there hasn't been any true capitalism in America since 1913. It's a comp- completely manipulated price of gas. Uh, capitalism was brought you the automobile to begin with. <laughs> and uh, most of the luxuries that you have now is brought to you by capitalism. But capitalism in itself is not a moral or political, you know, it's it's just basically a way of uh, operating an economy. And basically, you're dealing with capital, something of substance, and, and one of the substance is you. You're probably the primary substance of a capitalist society. And your labor has to belong to you. And what you produce with your labor is your capital. And and you could take that capital and produce more. It's like uh, if you had an orchard. And you had 20 trees in your orchard. And uh, you produce fruit from those 20 trees. And you you might find some of the trees aren't producing very good fruit. And some of the trees are producing really good fruit. And you will take branches from the trees that produce really good fruit. And you will graft them into other trees. And then you'll have a hundred trees in your orchard. Well, all that labor, all that uh, materials that you grew from a seed and, and generated, that, and all the improvements that you made upon the land, that's yours. That's capitalism. Uh, the means of production, which is almost always first the man. I mean, you may say, well, gold and iron ore and everything are means of the production or the machinery that you make. That uh, with the iron uh, or wood that you cut and everything, that is, you know, the means of production. But it all begins with your labor. So if your labor is not yours, you know you're not in a capitalist society. Now, a lot of people, just like those Romans we were talking about at the beginning of the show, who wanted to keep calling Rome a republic... had abandoned the principles of a republic, the same as a lot of people want to call America a capitalist system, but they've abandoned the principles of a capitalist system, first in 1913 and then in 1933. Those are are primary dates of changes, but you can actually go back before 1913 where we see it creeping in. The same as we do with Rome, 150 years before the birth of Christ, Polybius, who wasn't from Rome, but lived in Rome. He was actually kind of a prisoner in Rome, but he could go anywhere he wanted and everything. But he uh, he was sent to Rome as an exchange in a treaty to uh, with Corinth so that Rome didn't destroy Corinth. And uh, Corinth was making peace with Rome because they had done some nasty things that Rome didn't like. <laughs> 
and betrayed Rome. And so they said, we're going to destroy you. And they said, oh, no, we'll, we'll go we'll go along. We'll toe the line. We won't do the bad things that we were doing. And to prove our honesty, we will give you these people as kind of hostages. And they, they worked. They got paid. They weren't, you know, slaves in that sense. But they had to live in Rome and be a part of Rome. Well, eventually, Polybius wasn't going to go back to Corinth because Corinth did the same thing. And Rome annihilated Corinth. Because, see, Rome had kind of become the policeman of the world. And when certain people were doing really bad things, they would go in there and uh, kind of bomb them with the Roman Empire. They actually did have fire bombs in the Roman uh, uh, centurion army. But they they would send them with catapults <laughs> over the walls or whatever. And uh, they didn't have uh, airplanes because... Uh, the difference between that, this is one thing that I always thought was interesting. I'm, it's not a teaching of Christ, but just by reading the the scriptures, we see that there is the beast, and then there is the image of the beast. And the difference between the beast and the image of the beast is that the image of beast could make fire come down from the heavens in the sight of men. <laughs> And you see, um, the first Caesar, which was Augustus Caesar, whose real name was Octavius, he did not, he was in charge. He was, the the emperor means commander-in-chief. He was in charge of the army and the navy. And Caesar had no air force. But today, the new Rome has an air force. It can make fire come down from heaven in the sight of man. <laughs> so, now, that's an interpretation, but that's what it says, is that the image of beast had that power and the beast didn't have that power. Now, you know, you have to conjecture. But this is one of the critical things that we've been talking about a lot lately because people have so many misconceptions about the doctrines of Christ and the doctrines of the church. And as we've explained in several shows to try to answer for people who have asked this question, is the doctrines of the church are only the doctrines of Jesus Christ. But being a minister of the church, I can talk about a lot of other things. I can give you my opinion about a lot of other things. And so could the apostles. And that's what they did. They wrote down their conclusions, their opinions, or what they understood to be true in the Bible based on probably in in most or all cases divine inspiration. But the doctrines of the church are not the doctrines of Paul. Paul has to preach Christ first because that's the doctrines of the church. In his attempt to explain to you things that are difficult to understand, he talked about a lot of stuff. And Peter said that Paul was going to talk to you about a lot of stuff. But if you don't understand the meaning of these words, and you don't understand their context in history, you're going to have trouble understanding what Paul said, what Peter said. what. And so by us informing you of these things and showing you with footnotes, we hope you find out. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, what is the solution to all these things we see in the news? Well, the solution in the world today is the salvation of Christ. But the salvation of Christ is not just flapping your lips and 
and getting emotional and thinking that you believe in Jesus because you say you believe in Jesus according to Jesus, you have to become a doer of the word. Now, some people, I actually had a minister who I respect as an individual a great deal, but as a minister, he sucks. Uh, because he's, he is actually, uh, many of the things he say makes him a prophet of the beast. Because he doesn't say the whole gospel of the, Jesus Christ. He doesn't give people the whole truth. And that is the definition of a lie. So if you're preaching a lie, like this, this lady who preacher in Grants Pass, then you're a prophet of the beast. Uh, especially if that lie delivers you into the hands of the beasts so that you eat meat with blood in it <laughs> so that you that you fornicate with the mistress the harlot of the beast you see i mean in your revelation we mentioned revelation uh, there's a harlot who rides a beast and of course we know also in the bible there there is the bride of christ and what is the, the church is supposed to be the bride of Christ. And why is that? Because that bride is more precious than a ruby. Uh, because it serves the needs of those who come to the table of the Lord, to the family of the Lord. And it serves it, uh, willingly through charity and through love. But see, the harlot, it's doing it for money. It's doing it for power, control. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it that's why it rides a beast because it takes care of the needy through force through exercising authority one over the other which Matthew, Mark and Luke said Christ said that we were not to do and certainly James says the same thing and James says that the way you know if somebody is a part of that salvation of Christ that solution of Christ is by what they do. It's not by what they say. But it's by what they do. So people are telling you, all you have to do is say these magic words or say you believe this doctrine and even if they proclaim it to be a doctrine of the church and it was not taught by Jesus Christ. And, and they're, you know, like Jesus talked about baptism. Supposedly he didn't do any baptism, but the, his ministers, his disciples were baptizing people. Certainly John was baptizing people. But John even puts down his baptism. He says, I'm only baptizing you with water. But this one who comes after me who baptizes you with fire and the Holy Spirit. And so what the heck is that? <laughs> so, so in that sense, Christ was for baptism, but... You know, there's so many doctrines out there that people are requiring you to believe. And the reason they're doing it is so that you don't look at the fact that you're not actually embracing the solution of Christ, the salvation of Christ, the way of Christ. So the people who are pushing these doctrines are actually pushing you away from, you know, these doctrines that are manufactured by the imagination of theologians and men and and where they deduce that this is what God really means and you have to believe what God really was talking about. But it's not something that Jesus talked about. I mean, it's just kind of common sense. If Jesus didn't talk about it, it's probably not as important as what he did talk about. 
So if you're out there coveting your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority one over the other and taking a bite out of your neighbor through the power of those men, then you're not following Christ. But if you're out there actively saying, no, all you have to, that's okay to do that, but all you have to do is say you believe in this. This doctrine or that doctrine, which we have deciphered to be the doctrines of Christ, not because he said it, but because it's mentioned in the Bible. Then you are actually preaching against Christ because you're putting something between Christ and the people. You're putting a doctrine, a teaching, a way, a a verbiage, a catechism between the people and what Christ actually said. And we know then that you are not a minister of the church established by Christ because you're not doing what Christ said. And if you're a follower of that individual or what he teaches, then you're not a follower of Christ either. You're a follower of that guy, you know, the Apollo or Paul or what have you. You cannot understand Paul without Christ. But you can't understand Paul unless you understand what the gospel was really all about. And so, I asked the question, I actually added this to their page on politics, you can look that up at Preparing You. Uh, what, was Christ political? Was the early church political? I mean, there was a vote in Rome at that time. It was an indirect kind of democracy. I mean, it was kind of a mix. I mean, they had their senate, and... Uh, these were the representatives sent from the different areas based to some degree on the choice of the people. And uh, they were now making laws. They didn't have that power originally in the Republic. But they are now making laws and imposing taxes, inheritance tax, and, and all kinds of uh, taxes on the people. Now, they got that power of doing that by first imposing tax on people they defeated. And a lot of this came about, uh, a lot of the degeneration of Rome came about when Polybius was prophesying and he was seeing the, you know, the sprouts of this new way of thinking. And you have to remember repentance is changing the way you're thinking. But this new way of thinking that was creeping into the Roman Republic. And he said when the masses with an appetite you know, for these benefits, uh, become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others, they degenerate. The people, the masses, degenerate. Eventually, by instituting force and violence to get those benefits, they degenerate into perfect savages. And they will find themselves with once more a monarch and a king. And the republic will be virtually dead. Because their their king, their emperor, their commander-in-chief, their principal civitas, their apotheos, whatever you want to call them, you know, their ruling judges, will be making decisions for them as to what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. And they will, because of the power, become corrupted and they will call evil good and good evil. And this is all part of this process. And if you, if you begin to think that it's okay to 
take away from your neighbors so that you can have more free stuff, you you will end up in the darkness. The more you deny that that is wrong, covetous practices, coveting your neighbor's goods is wrong, the more you will sit in darkness, the more you will not see. So when I tell you why the Ukraine is getting invaded, you will not see it. I'll shock you with a few things that you probably didn't know. But ultimately, the only reason I will talk about those things that you didn't know is to show you how easily it is to deceive you as to what you're looking at when you're sitting in darkness. When you've already refused to see the truth about the basic fundamentals of God's way, the way, the way of Christ, compared to the way of Nimrod, Pharaoh, Caesar, you know, FDR, you know, all those kind of guys. <laughs> if you think those... And, and you don't even... You, people are just unaware of it. They, they can't see it. They, but anyway, we'll see if you can see it. So the form of politics that dominates a society may be the outcome of the collective of society or of the individuals living within society. The more the individuals learn to govern themselves, respecting the rights of others, the more liberty there will be. The less they care about the rights of others, the less liberty there will be. And those gifts, gratuities, and benefits that Plutarch talked about, that FDR offered you, that LBJ increased, that's if you desire those benefits to eat at that table, then you don't really care about your neighbor's rights because those guys aren't giving you what they produced, which is the only thing they really have a right to give in a capitalist society because they only have a right to what they produce in a capitalist society. If they're giving you something that used to belong to somebody else, but they took away especially by force, then you don't care about the rights of your neighbor. You only care about what you want. And if you don't actively protect your neighbor from such covetous practices of men who exercise authority, then you're slothful in the way, the ways of righteousness. And you will go under tribute. And of course you have. 1933 you certainly went under tribute. <laughs> and But you actually went under one of the worst tributes uh, that you can imagine back in 1913. Because from the beginning of this program till now, if you had any money in your pocket, any what they call money in your pocket, it's worth less now than it was at the beginning of the program. And it's worth less because of the most insidious hidden tax there is, which is inflation. And the more greedy the society, the more desirous the society is of benefits, the more easily the society is placated by free bread or stimulus checks or <laughs> what have you. <laughs> the more they are placated and and... and and put to sleep, or, you know, made complacent by such gifts, gratuities, and benefits, the more under tribute you will go. 
and the more powerful the dictators will become. And this is not something that just happens overnight or, you know, with the shutdown or whatever. This was a long time in coming. So even if you actually repented now and you said, oh my gosh, we have been betraying Christ. We have been betraying God because we've been coveting our neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority, doing the exact opposite of what Christ said to do. We have not been Christians. We've been false Christians. We've been fake Christians. Like those Gentiles were discovering who, you know, back in Acts, that realized that they couldn't take the benefits that were coming from the Elamina of the temples of Saturn or the temples of uh, uh, the Parthenon. They couldn't take those benefits anymore. And uh, because those benefits, the, the bread that they gave, the free bread that they gave, had blood in it because it was taken by force. It, it, it was taking the life of others and providing them with benefits. And, uh, and it was literally strangled. People were strangled. And, and now with inflation, we're going to see more and more people strangled. I mean... The image of the beast is a lot more efficient at what it's doing than the beast was. But the same principles still apply. And so when you sign up to eat at their table, you're, you're going to the harlot. You're not going to the bride of Christ. And so, yeah, you're, you're committing fornication. You see, these are symbols. There actually isn't a woman riding a big beast. You know, the, those are... Those are metaphors. <laughs> That's a symbol. And, and all the daughters of that harlot who rides the beast, they kind of ride the beast too. Because they call themselves the church, but they have no daily ministration. 90% of the welfare in their churches is not taken care of through faith, hope, and charity. It's taken care of by men who exercise authority one over the other. Which brings us to the churches in the Ukraine. They don't teach you this. They don't tell you how that works. So, we, we begin to understand that the, if we don't care about the rights of our neighbors, if we want free education for our children, and we're willing to take away our neighbor's property, or force our neighbor to contribute to our school, so that we can have this free education, then we don't really care about the property rights of our neighbor. You know, they, they built the house. You know, I've told you the story about a guy I knew up in Minnesota who built a log cabin out in the woods. I mean, this is this way out in the woods down a dirt road. And he got married and they started having children. They had a bunch of kids. I don't remember how many it is now, eight or nine kids. I mean, there was a lot of kids. When you get a lot of kids together, it always looks like more than it really is because they're always moving. You can't count them. But uh, he he lived in this cabin for a long time well the winters are cold and this is northern northern minnesota and so he tar papered the outside of the log cabin to keep the wind out for where the chinky might develop little holes when that temperature got below zero and eventually he saved up his money did all kinds of he was a hard working guy saved up his money and sighted the house and he did this fantastic thing. He put in plumbing. He didn't have plumbing at first. <laughs> and uh, so he put in plumbing. 
And his taxes went up a thousand percent. And he went down and said, why is that? Why do I owe all this extra money? Because I fixed up my house. He says, well, you have plumbing now. And you have siding. And so that puts you in a different tax bracket. And we think your place is worth more. So now you owe more. I worked this hard. And the harder I work, the more I owe. (laughs) The more I have to give you a share. I mean, he just said, this is ridiculous. And he went back home, tore the siding off. (laughs) And uh, took the toilet and threw it out in that yard. And told the tax assessor to come and reassess him. Uh, He is a stubborn guy. But. The reality is that he had a point. Why does he owe more to the government? Because he worked harder. The harder you work, the more you owe. Wow. Wow. That's like, that's like anti-free market. <laughs> well, he didn't understand why he owed that. Because he didn't own the property. And we'll talk about that at another show. Another time we have. You can look up legal title at Preparing You. and Find out for yourself. But uh, he didn't own his property. And part of that, part of that is at least to what we did in 1913. But it also is what we did in 1933. See, the more you go down the road away from the kingdom, the farther from the kingdom you get and the closer to the kingdom of hell you become. So, God gave us two things in creation. He gave us a lot of things, but we want to sum it up. He gave us life and choice. How much do we use our life and choice to give life and choice to others? There's the question. And how much do we choose to use our life to take away life and choice? From others. Because if you're seeking the kingdom of God. You're not going to be taking away the right to choose. From other people. You're certainly not going to take away their life. You're not going to take away their blood. Because life is in the blood. You're not going to take away their labor. You're not going to take away from their property. Because see that guy when he improved his property. He wasn't, there wasn't like, okay, you improved it, so you have to pay this one amount. You're going to have to pay every year now for the rest of your life more and more and more because you worked hard and improved your property. That's not capitalism. If you got property tax in your country, whatever country you're in, that's not a capitalist society. If you're taxed on your labor, you work hard and produce more and more and more, You have to pay more and more and more. That's not capitalism. That's that's the bondage of Egypt. That's actually worse than the bondage of Egypt because the bondage of Egypt, you only had to pay 20%. Make, you know, 10,000, you know, whatever it is, (laughs) scarabs or dollars or rubles, you owe 20%, you know, of 10,000. If you make a hundred million, you owe twenty million. Because that's one fifth, twenty percent. So that's that's the bondage of Egypt. But if 
you make a hundred million and you have to pay fifty million, that's worse than the bondage of each. <laughs> of course, that's what that guy was up against is that he fixed his house up and he had to pay more. Forever. Forever and ever and ever. He just wasn't gonna have it. That now his solution was not really the solution, but it's the only thing he could come up with. But then he didn't really know the gospel of the kingdom. But I'm not taking away from the fact that the guy had a good heart and he was a hard worker. Every virtue counts in your favor. But, you know, it's it's like the old recipe of of the uh, that mystery ingredient. of You make this cake and you put all the best stuff in the cake. All the best flour, best sugar, best eggs. Everything is the top of the line. And then you cook it up and you serve it to the people. And they say, oh, this is delicious. This is just wonderful. I love this cake. And, and you, they ask you what you put in it. And you list off all the good ingredients. And at the very end, you add, and then we put in doggy do. <laughs> Suddenly, the cake, you, you can't eat the cake anymore. <laughs> Of the mystery ingredient. <laughs> well, this is what's happened in your country. Is they brought in a mystery ingredient. And they brought in that mystery ingredient because you failed to understand Deuteronomy 17 as to what you should have put in your constitution. A lot of good stuff in the constitution. A lot of good men, you know, nice guys. I'd love those guys. I'd love to have them as my neighbor. But they left some stuff out of the Constitution that the Bible says you have to put in a Constitution. And supposedly it's God telling us that we have to put it in our Constitution, according to the Bible anyway. And people didn't understand it. They didn't know it. So that's what you'll read about in Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions. <laughs> and you can find it. Do some searches on uh, our, our website and you'll find it. So anyway, this Ukraine, let's go back to the Ukraine. We don't have much time in this hour, but uh, we'll go through some of the brief things. Is, uh, this country, and we're doing this again, so that you have a better understanding of the kingdom of God. But this country, which is in Eastern Europe, is the second largest country by area in Europe. This, a lot of that is due to the wheat fields. Uh, after Russia... Russia is being the largest, but a lot of Russia you can't grow wheat in because it's Siberia, which is, uh, it borders to the east and the northeast, uh, of the Ukraine. And, you know, the Ukraine, uh, they've added, uh, you know, other countries, uh, like Crimea to the south and, uh, and that's, there's a whole history of that, but we don't need to go that. But there's this Donbass region in the Ukraine. Uh, that there is some dispute over. And, you know, there's a lot of Russian people there, a lot of Russian-speaking people. If you look at the whole Ukraine, it's only about 17% Russian. But uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on in, there, in the news there for decades now. There's actually been privately funded armies created by this corrupt oligarchy that it, there's quite a few oligarchies throughout the Ukraine. And uh, they've been skimming money and... and because of this corruption, Ukraine is considered one of the most corrupt countries in Europe. Uh, by kingdom standards, uh, there's very few countries in Europe that aren't corrupt. Very few people in Europe that aren't corrupt. I I would encourage people maybe to consider leaving Europe. <laughs> I 
because it looks like they're headed for a lot of trouble. But if you're still going to be corrupt after you leave, don't come here. <laughs> we have our own corrupt people here. And many of them call themselves Christians, but they don't know the truth of Christianity. And that's why we go to all the trouble to make these shows so that you can find out. But anyway, Putin does have an arguable position based on treaties in international law that NATO should not be encroaching upon Russia. And there is a real kind of crime going on with the Ukraine by taking water away from Crimea. But that's not really what's going on. We'll have to talk about what's really going on behind the scenes when we come back to Keys to the Kingdom after this brief break. So you all come back. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, you know, it's real clear in treaties that were made way back when the Soviet Union broke up that uh, they were going to back out, pull out many of their troops and all this stuff, which made Europe way safer, supposedly, from any Russian threat. Uh, but they didn't want NATO coming into all these countries. They wanted to leave those countries all neutral so that nobody was right up to their border. Uh, if if NATO was able to go right up to the Russian border, the closer they got, I mean, it's like uh, putting military bases in Mexico and Canada. We didn't let them put those bases in in Cuba because we considered it a threat. And so they said, yeah, we'll back off. We'll free East Germany, which was the big thing, and we'll free all these other countries. And you, But you can't put NATO in your military in those countries. We'll just leave all those countries neutral. We won't go in with our military. You don't come in with your military. And that was kind of the agreement. You know, I'm paraphrasing it, but that's that's what they were looking for. Well, NATO's in Poland, Romania, and all kinds of those other European countries, and now they want to come into the Ukraine. And they said no. And that's legitimate. I mean, we would consider it legitimate if they were putting troops in, in Mexico and Canada, you know, putting military and missiles and thousands of tanks and all this stuff. We wouldn't, we wouldn't like that. So that's the legitimate argument. But that's not really what's going on. <laughs> but they actually gave him the excuse to make that argument. Of course, they, they don't talk about it much in the news. I mean, he talked about it in his speeches. But, uh, you know, I had to go to India to get a translation of his speech that I would even semi-trust. <laughs> but that's what he's claiming. But again, that's not really what's going on. What's really going on, that rabbit hole is deep. But anyway, uh, it's the same way in, when you study the politics in Rome at the time and, and in Judea. Oh man, the politics in Judea before Christ, before John the Baptist, was going way deep for generations. They were changing all kinds of things, the way in which people viewed the Bible. Now, there was always some groups around, like the Essenes, that had a different view. They saw things differently. But they didn't sit quite as much in darkness as the most of the people. What gets people to move into darkness? This is the important thing about the kingdom. Something changed under Herod and the Pharisees that made the people sit more in darkness than they had sat for generations. They had all kinds of problems where they didn't care about the rights of their neighbor. And it usually starts with not caring about the rights of the neighboring countries. 
You know, like in Rome, like Corinth. They they absolutely leveled Corinth. They're right down. So there wasn't any, there was hardly anybody even living there anymore. There wasn't any buildings. They took it all down. And Corinth was a really good place strategically to live on trade routes. Because ships would come in at one end of that little peninsula, unload, and then transport stuff across to the other side of the peninsula and load it onto ships and they would go from there. And it saved them a long period of time sailing and, you know, all the way around this long peninsula. If you go look on a map, you'll see what I, I mean. They tried to actually dig a tunnel all the way, not a tunnel, but a canal all the way across through the, the isthmus there so they could get boats to travel from one gulf to the other. Because it would save huge amounts of money. Generations after generation. That's free enterprise, so to speak. I don't know what... I think it was a king who was funding it, but it didn't have to be. But they leveled that. But that was just the beginning. Because they also changed the way in which they organized their army. Rome did. And then that allowed Caesar to go into Gaul and send over a million people. They estimate it was almost a million people. You count the women and children. It was a million people that were sold into slavery by Julius Caesar when he was just a general in the army. And he was able to do this because the way in which they reorganized the army just, uh, you know, a couple decades before. And, of course, he was going to be arrested and tried for war crimes by a lot of the people in Rome. But he took a great deal of the profits he made from selling all those people into slavery and bestowed all kinds of gifts on the people. You know, they kind of send them stimulus checks or something. I don't know what he did, but, uh, you know, free bread and festivals and... And all kinds of benefits, built things that were beneficial to the people, you know, that they liked. And the will of the people to try and for war crimes kind of fell apart. There were still some people who wanted to do it, but they were in the minority because everybody else had been bought off by gifts, gratuities, and benefits. Because he was kind of the guy who first spread amongst the people those gifts, gratuities, and benefits. It wasn't the first. There were others, but he really went overboard. But it darkened. The eyes of the people. They turned their back on what they knew was the just right thing to do. The righteous thing to do. And they didn't do it. And so now we're hearing all about Putin killing all kinds of people in Ukraine. Like I say, we have close friends that that my daughter and son-in-law talk to on a regular basis that just got their most of their family out. The men couldn't go. Uh, they couldn't escape. Teenage daughter, grandma, uh, aunt, those people, they got out. But uh, we, we're hearing that people are getting killed, you know, which usually happens when there's a war. But, you know, a million people died, a million civilians died in Iraq when the United States invaded Iraq. And part of that was because we bombed infrastructure. Power plants, water treatment plants. We bomb those things. And you think, like, why did you... I guess that's not going to affect the army. The army's independent of that. But we bomb those things. And why Bush gave the order to do that? 
I had friends, uh, at least the son. I, I know the son, but uh, I know the father better, but uh, who were in Iraq at that time, undercover for the military. <laughs> Dressed up like a, you know, a Saudi or something, you know, in the robes and grew the beard, had gone to a special school for months to learn Arabic so that he could speak like, you know, perfectly. His whole outfit learned to speak Arabic. And they worked behind the lines before the war even started. He says that he was within pistol range of Saddam Hussein, who is the evil dictator we were supposedly trying to get rid of. And he says, I could have shot him. You know, I probably would have been shot, but I could have shot him. And the reality, if I can get that close, I I could have shot him and not got shot. (laughs) You know, with a different gun than my pistol. But, uh, uh, or a bomb or what have you. Um, But he didn't. Because that wasn't his orders. His orders was to make sure nobody else shot him. His orders were to make sure that the the resistance in Iraq did not kill Saddam Hussein. They didn't. They wanted him still in power until they didn't want him in power anymore. But a million Iraqis died. The people we were supposedly going to go save, and many of them died because they bombed the U.S. And, you know, our UN allies bombed the infrastructure of Iraq. And that's just a matter of history. You can look that up. Uh, that's just, but we're not war criminals. The United States is not war criminals. Putin's a war criminal. <laughs> Who's, generally speaking, not bombing the infrastructure. I bet you anything he wants to see that wheat planted this spring. <laughs> but, uh, Anyway, the the fact is, is uh, something else is going on. You know, like the general didn't want... Uh, why is American going thousands of miles away and putting their troops in the Ukraine, Poland, Romania, all that stuff, when the Russians had already agreed that that was all to be a neutral area? Neither NATO or the Soviet troops were to be in those countries. But they kept putting them in there. And then, like I say, the water issue with the Crimea. Now, should the Russians even be in Crimea? Well, there is a lot of Russians in Crimea, a lot more than there is in Ukraine. And uh, it is strategic to them and stuff like that. But uh, all this gets so complicated. Uh, There's no way you can say Putin is right. He's got excuses. And we gave them to him. Because there was no reason to put NATO troops in there. If you pulled out, you said, okay, we won't put any NATO troops in. We'll pull out all the NATO troops. We won't fund those private armies that we see. Biden, when he's vice president, he says, we're going to give you guys a billion dollars. We're not going to give you a billion dollars until you fire this uh, investigator. Uh, But if you fire that investigator, I'll approve the billion dollars we're going to give you. Uh, That's quid pro quo. Uh, Now, I'm not in favor of some other political party, I think the root cause goes way deeper. It goes into the hearts and minds of the people. And that's where we need to go if we really want to understand the kingdom of God and His righteousness. There are lots of Russians in certain areas of the Ukraine who voted. They want to be a part of Russia. They don't want to be a part of the Ukraine. And that's 
there were lots. Of, what the numbers are probably skewed because elections are skewed all the time. Because, like Stalin says, it's not not who you vote for; it's who counts the vote that makes the difference. And I'm sure there was corruption in that. But it is clear that some of those areas don't want to be a part of the rest of Ukraine. They want to be; they'd rather be a part of Russia. Or at least have their own sovereign country, which Russia says they're defending. And they talk about this as self-determination, a right of self-determination, which the United Nations talks about. But the right of self-determination begins with who? Doesn't that begin with the individual as opposed to the collective? And if the collective wants to take away the rights of the individual, isn't they, aren't they already, uh, corrupted? They don't really believe in self-determination. And of course, we do that every day, which is what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, when we desire benefits and we don't care that men who exercise authority take away from our neighbors so that we can have those benefits. We don't care what kind of force they use. They can take their whole house away from them after a couple of years, take their whole business away from them. And they do this all the time in communist countries. You know, like Venezuela, they would just take the guy's business, take the oil companies. You know, there's about the same amount of people living in Spain as there is in Russia. And yet Russia is this superpower, but Spain is not. How, how is that possible? Well, all the oil and the gas and many of the minerals that are extracted from the land we call Russia, the profits... Go to the government. Doesn't go to the people. And like I said, Ukraine is one of the richest countries in Europe as far as resources are concerned. But in the Ukraine, the, any resources they produce, it goes to the government. You know, Russia sells a great deal of energy in the form of gas and oil. Across to Europe, including Germany. Germany is highly dependent upon them. The pipeline goes across, at least one of them, and for a while it was the only one, goes across the Ukraine. It's right, right across the Ukraine into uh, Europe. Ukraine charges Russia over a billion dollars a year just to have the Russian pipeline in the Ukraine. And that billion dollars goes to the government of the Ukraine. And then they supposedly redistribute the, the value of that rent to the people somehow. But the reality is, being the most corrupt government in Europe, a great deal of that goes into the pockets of other people, including some of the children <laughs> of American politicians. And that's just a matter of record. But anyway, uh, we're, we're going to get into some other things, but it'll have to be in a subsequent show because we don't have enough time to get into it. But, uh, uh, you know, one of the things, but we'll refer to this in the other shows when we talk about this in greater depth. You know, the, supposedly Mayor Amshel Rothschild said one time, permit me to issue the control of money of the nations and I care not who makes the laws. And, he did have these maxims and everything as to whether he actually said it or not. There is some dispute, but uh, it's pretty much that's the way he thought. 
and that's very uh, interesting. But that is really just a paraphrase of something Andrew Fletcher, who was supposedly an insurrectionist from Scotland, uh, who was a opponent to the 1707 Act of Union between Scotland and England, uh, because they he said he was it was usurping the rights of Scots. And uh, it was a bad deal, according to him. But he said, let me make the songs of a nation, and I care not who makes its laws. Now, why w- w- the songs of a nation? <laughs> what is he talking about? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, like, uh, one of the things that, you know, you need heroes in a war in order to get all the people willing to go out there and fight and die for the war. You need to have... This sense of patriotism and sense of righteousness to go along to get everybody to join the army. Now, like I said, the, the, the father and the family that would just escaped from the Ukraine, he had to stay back because, not because of his patriotism, because if you tried to leave, we'll shoot you. <laughs> so much for a free country. You know, the American so-called revolution, which really wasn't a revolution, uh, it was just Americans standing their grounds against what they had already earned, something that we haven't earned, and we've actually let go because of our thinking. Because somebody changed the way in which we think about history, and they started that back in 1908, even before that date of 1913. And we have an article, Schools as Tools, go look that up and find out who was trying to change the way in which we view history. And uh, But anyway, the idea of this song is the harmony of the nation. Uh, you know, what the nation thinks. What the nation thinks is good and evil and right. By manipulating our thinking. And that is going on in a way unprecedented throughout history now. Which is ultimately where we're going to go in this program. We're going to look at a guy named Harari. Uh, which some people have referred to as a reptile, but... Most of the people in the economic forum, the World Economic Forum, think he is just, uh, he is their baby poster child guy. You know, he is, he knows everything. You know, he is so smart and so wonderful. You would be shocked at what he says. And, but it tells you why, what they're thinking, what their song is. But he talks about the data media. Google and all these stuff, you know, like a lot of people have been telling us to use uh, DuckDuckGo for our search engine because it's less skewed than Google. And for some things, you know, that's absolutely true. And we've seen it long before anybody was saying it. But uh, DuckDuckGo just came out and announced, uh, actually one of my grandsons sent me uh, this information, although I knew it already. (laughs) Because I work for God, but anyway, but he sent it to me and actually had the quote. I, if I had my phone, I'd pull it up and and read it to you. But they're going to start censoring information specifically about the Ukraine. So if anybody puts a synopsis on some of the things that I'm going to tell you, uh, hopefully before we get to the end of the hour, um, you know, you might be careful what words you put. In. <laughs> But anyway, like I said, the Ukraine is uh, uh, what they're doing with this data and this information that they're feeding you through the media and allowing you to say to one another is they're creating the song 
of the nation, the the harmony of the nation. You know, everybody thinks that Facebook, this is what the, you know, the, I forget his name, but, you know, Data's brother <laughs> started Facebook. But anyway, uh, he, uh, it doesn't really matter what his name is, but uh, a lot of people recognize him by referring to that because he, he looks like he's Data's brother or something. But uh, anyway, he he thinks that Facebook is to bring people together. I can tell you, Facebook is to divide the people. And it's doing it. Its algorithms are dividing the people. The same as we saw Google doing the same thing. That if you're a conservative, what they call a conservative, or uh, uh, like Harari says, uh, liberal Democrat, or whatever that is. Uh, but... Uh, if you if you're one of those groups or probably several other groups and they recognize this by what you like and what you don't like and what you watch and what you click on etc they will tailor what they send you the advertisements the way the advertisements come to manipulate your thinking that they, they want to harmonize you in that group because the as long as you have these warring groups in society you know, Democrats against Republicans and vice versa, and uh, progressives against uh, capitalists. And yeah, I heard a guy saying on a radio uh, interview that he wanted to see this horrible American empire, U.S. empire, brought down, even if it meant promoting the Russians. And they, the guy says, well, aren't the Russians totalitarian dictators? And aren't they trying to create a Russian empire and go back to the Soviet Union and he says yeah I don't care we have to bring down the United States first and then we will deal with those well the reality is that those two United States and Russia being toe to toe with nuclear weapons has kept has kept what some people call the peace for decades now because they were so afraid of nuclear holocaust now there wasn't peace this is what there wasn't a world war like we saw WW2, but there has been a war. They just changed their tactics. You know, the shutdown is a part of a war. That's a war tactic. Uh, the same as now we just heard in the news before the show began that talked about the U.S. government creating a digital currency. That That is what Plutarch could only dream of. Plutarch wanted to take all the gold and silver out of the money of Rome uh, because... He wanted that money in the hands of the government, not in the hands of the people, because he thought that that would bring more stability. Uh, he was the same one that said the first ones to destroy Rome with the gifts, gratuities, and benefits, and then he wants to give even more power to the government. Uh, a phenomenon we see commonly amongst liberals today who hate the government and hate capitalism and want to give all this power to the government, such as issuing digital currency. And going to what they call a cashless society. If you were born in 1850 and then suddenly put in America after you grew up and put in America, you know, and saw what was going on, you say, why did you guys go to a cashless society? Because <laughs> you're already a cashless society based on the terminology that was commonly understood as cashless and cash. In the 1850s, 1860s, 1870s, if you were well-versed in history, Harari is a historian. And I, I found the guy fascinating, J.P. Uh, Spears, who's kind of a satirist, comedian, red-headed guy, long hair, uh, 
took some quotes from a speech he gave and, and made one of his satirical commentaries, which was fascinating. And I said, well, who is this guy, this darling of the World Economic Forum? And uh, so I went and looked him up, and we will get to him probably in the afternoon show. We may not have an afternoon show. We've got a lot of things going on here, but I will try to make it if I can. But anyway, so the Ukraine is this large, rich country, first in Europe uh, in recoverable uranium ore uh, reserves, which could be very important to the future of energy because you ain't going to do it with wind and solar. <laughs> That is just a total fiction. And anybody who thinks an electric car doesn't pollute is ignorant of real science. They're not following science. But, of course, that's what I got into trouble with the uh, preacher over there in Grants Pass. She thinks she is following the science. (laughs) She went and got her vaccination, wants all of her parishioners to get a vaccination because she follows the science. She looks like she weighs about 250 pounds. (laughs) If she wanted to follow the science, she would lose that way because we know COVID is the hardest on overweight people. And but anyway, that's another whole story. But it's it's uh, second place in Europe in uh, titanium, which is a really important ore in manufacturing. Uh, world reserves of magnesium, uh, iron ore reserves, second in the world in iron ore reserves. It's just huge. And those natural resources are really important. Mercury, uh, second place in Europe in uh, terms of mercury or mercury is a huge important element in that secret technology I mentioned that uh, uh, Putin uh, thinks is secret, <laughs> that thinks he's discovered and uh, it's part of the reasons why they are seducing him into this conflict. I told you that uh, po- uh, political scientists six years ago, seven years ago even, were saying if you want to destroy Russia, get them to invade Ukraine. Now, you know, I shared with the ministers, I think, an uh, hour-long video explaining why that would absolutely bring Russia to destruction. Evidently, Putin didn't see the video. <laughs> so, but uh, but he has his own agenda and he is answerable to the oligarchs in, in Russia. So, Anyway, they're fourth in the world in the value of natural resources, and that that may actually be much higher, including they're pretty high up in coal reserves. They We had American companies in the Ukraine drilling for oil and gas. The gas and oil reserves in Ukraine would have made them uh, one of the biggest uh, producers of oil and gas, and they're closer to Europe than Russia. This would eat it because Russia is only Russia today because of their natural resources. If the Ukraine was allowed to produce their natural resources like the Russians, they would be as wealthy as the Russians. Far wealthier than places like Spain and etc. Uh, Russia can't, they will eat into Russia's profits. They can't do that. So they have to stop them from doing that. Now we haven't even got into their black soil and their barley production. But we'll, we're going to get to the actual nitty-gritty of what is going on and what is at the root cause of this when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So I'm going to tell you what's at some of the root causes, the actual root causes that are, you know, visible, researchable, uh, probably not on Google. <laughs> 
But some of the evidence is still out there. As some of the people that have uncovered this will probably be dead uh, in the next five years or maybe in the next five hours. I don't know. Uh, because they're just d- exposing too much actual data. I mean, we're talking about people high up in government who have begun to do the whistleblowing. And we've already seen we have whistleblowing laws supposedly in the United States to protect whistleblowers. Uh, they don't have those same laws in Europe, and uh, they certainly do not have those laws in Russia or the Ukraine. So if you start whistleblowing there, you may end up dead. And so anyway, uh, but I want to give you a little highlight into uh, Yuval Noah Harari. You can look him up. Like I said, he's the darling of the Great Reset, uh, World Economic Forum, and uh, J.P. Uh, P. Spears uh, uh, calls him a reptile in uh, the one talk that he does. Uh, listen to what this reptile has to say. And uh, you can go look for that uh, on J.P. Spears' uh, satirical comedian's uh, YouTube. At least last I saw it was still up. And, and he gets to stay up. I mean, he has trouble, but he's he's kind of won the art of being this sarcastic comedian where he's actually saying what they want to hear, but the red-headed delivery, you know that he is actually telling you more of the truth than most people want to get out. But uh, I will take a, just a, briefly a couple of quotes just to set the scene in order to see the foundation of the real problem here. And uh, one of the things he said is history began when humans invented gods and will end when humans become gods. Now, his, the context of when he said that, he actually thinks that we need to become gods. We need to manipulate not only the mind, the song of the people through data, through these algorithms that you see in Google and uh, DuckDuckGo and Facebook and all that kind of stuff where you begin to reinforce what you think to be true even though it's imagined because of all the images and streaming of data that does not actually meet the facts but it meets your narrative the narrative you are most comfortable with and it divides society it doesn't bring them together because the only thing that will bring you together is to have the conversation and the sacrifice that creates the social bonds. You can look up social bonds at, at uh, preparing you to find out what that is. But the fact is, Jesus said, you also are gods. And so what are gods? Well, you can look that up at preparing you. Look up small g, g-o-d-s, gods. And find out what that word meant in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But uh, that's your homework assignment. You can do that on your own if that is what the Spirit is leading you to do. Another thing he said, and he says a lot, (laughs) but this isn't going to be about him, so this is the last quote I'll give of him right now, although I got lots of, I might give one more, but uh, you could never convince a monkey to give you a banana by promising him limitless bananas after the death in monkey heaven. Uh, So... That's his comment, actually to do with religion, because he's kind of against religion. He's against the belief in God. He doesn't believe in God. He believes that 
We should be gods. We should be controlling and we have the power to control not only what we're thinking, but the actual biological DNA in our bodies. He is actually for that. And that's one of the reasons why the World Economic Forum thinks so highly of him. And it's partly why J.P. Spears calls him a reptile because he sees him in, in, in what J.P., I guess, imagines to be reptile thinking. Uh, he says, how, how do you cause people to believe in an imagined order such as Christianity, democracy, or capitalism? These are imagined orders, he says. First, you never admit that the order is imagined. You're not, you're not supposed to admit that God is just your imagination, just your thinking. Uh, and, you know, if you think about it, uh, you know, the, the devil in the... So, J.P. may not be far off, but the devil in the, the metaphorical allegory of Adam and Eve that we find at the beginning in Genesis, the devil is a reptile. He's a snake. <laughs> so, which we explained why... That snake was naked and all this stuff. Uh, if you look up, naked at preparing you. But anyway, um, the the fact is, is that uh, what is imagined? See, our interpretation of these metaphors and allegories may be imagined. But as metaphors and allegories, it is a story. It is trying to tell you something. It's trying to impart something to you. And... You know, like the sin of Adam, because he, he ate this apple. No, he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which means he tried to decide for himself what was good and evil. And he did not want to accept the God of creation, this thing that gave you life and choice, as the actual God of his creation. And... Eventually, this led to wanting to take life and choice away from others, which is why Cain killed Abel. He was taking away the life of his brother. And he got to that point because he was already plowing the Adama to make the sacrifices that he was making, which we've explained elsewhere, because that's all metaphors. You have no idea. If you think he was piling up stones and burning up fruits and vegetables, you missed it. Anybody who tells you that that's what they're telling you are deceiving you with doctrines that are false according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was telling you how to build altars of living stone and Moses was teaching you the same thing if you actually understood Moses which the Essenes had a better understanding than the Pharisees and we explain all this already so we don't have to go into it all here. But maybe it will create your curiosity. But Harari imagines that he understands Christianity. He imagines that he understands capitalism. Uh, capitalism is what a squirrel does when he stores nuts and hides them in his little reserve under the ground. And that's, that's capitalism. He went and gathered those nuts. Nobody else was gathering them. And he stored them away. Somebody who steals them is going against capitalism because those are his nuts. And he does all kinds of things to keep other <laughs> critters from, that you don't even probably know to keep other critters from stealing his nuts. But of course, if he dies or forgets where some of them are, uh, he's going to actually produce another tree, a nut tree. <laughs> so anyway, and democracy is another thing. But uh, 
Anyway, so I thought I'd give you a little peek at that. And what we were talking about before the break was that uh, Ukraine has all these natural resources. And I, like I said, it, it it is first in Europe in the amount of arable land, farmable land. It is 25% of the world's volume of black soil. Not just Europe, but of the world. It grows more barley almost than anybody else. More corn, uh, more potatoes, more rye. Uh, it is fifth in bee population. <laughs> uh, world exporter of wheat. Um, you know, we think we grow a lot. They grow a lot. And the reality is, Egypt fell. Uh, because of the fact that there were fires in Russia and wheat fields, wheat crops suffered. Uh, and so the cataclysmic effect that if you took Ukraine out of production, people will starve to death uh, because they produce so much. They could feed over 600 million people. Uh, they don't, they, they have nowhere near that amount. Just, just what they produce. And there's all kinds of other things, but let's get on. But the reality is, they are uh, the poorest nation in Europe. The people. The people are the poorest people in Europe. And this is because they haven't been a free people. They're They're out there defending freedom now. They're not actually defending freedom because they don't know what freedom is. I mean, their capita G and I is about three thousand five hundred dollars. Uh, the the forty five percent of the population of Ukraine, by Ukrainian standards, fall in the poor category. In this rich, 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 rich country. And why is that? Socialism. Socialism. And uh, the alcoholism amongst them is is unbelievable, and it's devastating lives. Left and right. And so, if you really cared about the people of Ukraine, you would have taken a completely different course in the Ukraine. But people are not, they don't really care about the Ukraine. And most of the people that we send over there, when I say we, I mean the United States government sends over there, don't really care about the Ukraine. And if you want to, you can, I wouldn't write this down. <laughs> But anybody who wants, you can write it down on your own paper, but don't type it. There's a woman by the name of Galliana, and she used to work for the European Parliament, but she was pushed out because she's one of these whistleblowers. Her first name is Daliana, D-I-L-Y-A-N-A, but, uh, and her last name is Gaitanziba which is G-A-Y-T-A-N-D-Z-H-I-E-V-A. And you can still find her on the Internet. And she has revealed documents. She's gotten documents out. She's gotten photographs out. Uh, she's not from the Ukraine, but she's, uh, I think she's Bulgarian. Young, beautiful, uh, evidently fearless woman. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, uh, she points out that these labs... This is the other thing in the news. These labs, these uh, biological laboratories are all over. And uh, she knows who's building them. And she knows who's financing them. She was uh, expelled from the European Parliament about four years ago because she was confronting people like the U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health 
over the Pentagon's funding of these bio labs. This four years ago. Uh, in 25 different countries. Ukraine is not the only one. China is not the only one. And uh, she was smeared and everything, but now she, but she's gathered the documents and uh, she's publishing them. Now, if you, you might want to use somebody else other than Google to search for her, but it's out there. Uh, but I'm not advocating her one way or the other, but she points out the actual documentation of the biological experiments being conducted partially through some of these laboratories on over 4,000 Ukrainian soldiers. That we're now, we all care about now. And, uh, also 1,000 Georgian soldiers in the same thing, but the documents were the, you know, these are volunteers, soldiers. They get to volunteer, but you also remember that this is volunteers amongst the poorest population in Europe. And nothing like being in poverty to get you to volunteer for something that you might get a little bit more money if you volunteer. But, uh, they, before they started setting up these experiments with these laboratories that they've been building, uh, and this is partly funded by the U.S. Uh, Defense uh, Threat Reduction Agency, which is DTRA, uh, if you're looking for the abbreviation, and they indemnified all Americans, American government, all American employees working in the country, when those American employees ro- drive around with uh, vehicles with diplomatic immunity. And these, this is what's going on in those laboratories. Uh, they're indemnified if death is caused by the, any of the treatments they receive. And so those people don't really care about Ukrainians. <laughs> but that's been going on now for years. Uh, and people tried to expose it four years ago. And these labs are being built by the same people in all these different countries. You know, the engineers are the same people who get the contracts. Metabiota. M-E-T-A-B-I-O-T-A. And, uh, but, uh, who funded these places? And, and that's just a kind of a subsidiary subcontractor to Black, uh, and Beach, uh, which is in Georgia and Ukraine and all kinds of other countries. And there's all kinds of other labs in a lot of these poor countries. Uh, Cameroon, Thailand, Ethiopia, Vietnam, Armenia. Azerbaijan, uh, which used to be a part of the Soviet Union, and of course the Ukraine. And, uh, Metabiota, which is an engineering contractor, has been building these things. And who funded them? Well, a lot of it, the funding has come from the U.S. government, uh, uh, over $18 million in one deal. But one place that funded them was Roma, uh, Rosemont Seneca Partners also known as Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners. And they have a number of subsidiaries. They're even in the real estate, which they've gotten over, what is it, $3 billion from China? Uh, a contract for $3 billion for China to buy office space in the United States. <laughs> this Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners, etc. Uh, who started that company? Hunter Biden. Christopher Hines of the Hines Empire, stepson to John Kerry. John Kerry's off in the he used used to be the U.S. Secretary of State, and another guy, Devin Archer, who just recently went to jail 
convicted in what 2018 securities fraud and conspiracy charges. But these three guys started that company, and they have gotten millions and millions and millions of dollars from China, and they have used some of that money to fund places like Metabiota. Uh, to build these labs. They know these labs are there. They know what they're doing in these labs. They're just not going to tell you. But uh, the point is, this just just the tip of the iceberg in this corruption. Why is all this corruption going on? Why, you know, people use this human experiments in these biological laboratories uh, where death may result and they can't sue anybody. Does that sound familiar? Uh, this is the corruption that comes from people who sit in darkness. And you can't do anything about it because the social bonds of a free society are foreign to most of the people in America. And the Ukrainian churches aren't telling you what Acts 21.25 means. They're not telling you what Peter meant when he says through covetous practices they would make merchandise of you. You'd become human resource. You'd return to the bondage of Egypt. Which you should have put in your constitution that the government could do nothing to return you to the bondage of Egypt. And of course the government did not do anything to return you to the bondage of Egypt except allow you to contract your way into that bondage through your covetous practices. You had to desire that which was sacrificed to the governments of the world And the governments of the world don't wait for your voluntary sacrifice. They force the sacrifice of the people. And therefore, there is blood in their sacrifice. The blood of the people, the life of the people is in their sacrifice because the people did not willingly give up their sacrifice to the temple of the Parthenon. Certainly, the Gauls didn't willingly sell themselves into slavery. They were forced into slavery. As long, along with a lot of other people forced into slavery because they, they didn't stop at the Gauls. They went on to the Brits <laughs> and they sold a lot of them into slavery. And uh, so there was blood in the benefits of Rome it, that came from their temples, which we've explained that. Look up temples that preparing you. Find out what was going on in those temples. I tried to find out for years and years and years and talk to scholars and nobody knew. But there's a, there's a preponderance of evidence that all these temples were just government buildings. Providing government welfare, uh, investment corporations, and the corrupt the leaders of the Senate put their kids in these places <laughs> to wreak uh, and reap all kinds of uh, wreak havoc and reap benefits for themselves. Because they didn't care about others as much as they cared about themselves and their own wealth. But the reason you get leaders who care more about themselves than they do about you or your rights or Ukrainian rights, the reason you end up with that is because of your covetous practices you become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for your livelihood on the property of others. And you have instituted the rule of force and violence. Because you send the sheriff to your neighbor's house to take away from your neighbor or the, the, the IRS. You know, my, my son, I picked him up the other day. 
uh, he, he had to get a ride from something because his ride didn't show up. His car was somewhere else. And uh, he got a ride from the head law enforcement officer for the federal forestry for most of the West Coast. And uh, and anyway, so so he got to ride with him and got to chat with him a lot about what's going on. Uh, probably about... You know, my son knows how to glean information uh, from the field that he works in. But uh, the reality is is that we have become accustomed to these benefits. We started with the beginning of public education, which wasn't like you see today. It, it changed drastically over the last hundred years. It used to be mostly funded by private donations. All of the social welfare in America was taken care of by private donations, mostly through churches. Almost none of it is taken care of by churches today. And this is the same in the Ukraine. Ukraine is a socialist government that has, where the people have degenerated. There's a lot of nice people there. But they have become accustomed to getting benefits at the expense of others. And because they're so poor, you you may even find more people that are waking up in the Ukraine than you're finding in the United States. The United States is the greatest mission field of our century because they are the ones who sit mostly in darkness. And I think there are people in America that are starting to wake up to the fact that if you go this way of taking from your neighbors so that you can have more free stuff, and using force, you know, forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, your desires, your benefits. And even strangling your neighbors, which is what's going on with this inflation. It's going to strangle the poor. It's going to strangle the middle class. The rich will be able to afford it, but even them, many of them will not be as rich unless they're part of the oligarchy that is controlling the government, which there is. But the point is, is that if you are a partaker of those benefits, if you seek those benefits instead of seeking the way of Christ, which is a network of charity that takes care of the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity and not force, fear, and fealty. If you are a partaker, you're fornicating with the harlot that writes the beast and all the daughters of the harlot. It's not because you go to the Protestant church to feel good. To hear the songs. To hear them kind of talk about Jesus. Because you know there's something with this Jesus thing that is really important. You sense it. You feel it. But you need the whole truth. And nothing but the whole truth. But it's where you go the rest of the week that makes it fornication. Because you're going to the harlot that rides the beast. You're going to the beast and asking the beast to take away from your neighbor. So you can have more free stuff. Now we've gone down that road a long ways. Like I said, your gas prices are a result of inflation. The gas is not worth more so much as the dollar is worth less. The dollar is worth less because you're printing them ridiculously fast. You're printing them ridiculously fast and most of them are digital dollars anyway. They're not even real dollars. It's the printing presses that make all the dollars. It's the borrowing that makes all the dollars. They're entry. They're credit entry. Uh, deals, and we'll go do another whole program on that eventually. But that's what's causing the rise in the price of gas. And 
you started that way back over a hundred years ago. Well over a hundred years ago. And then you started taking, you know, first it was like one and a half percent was your Social Security. And Social Security was not the only tax that was created by the Social Security Act. Because it says right in there for other purposes. And it talks about other taxes. But the what you see is the amount for your Social Security was like one and a half percent. Now it comes to over 14 percent. And then all the other income tax is the same. But anyway, we don't have enough time to go into all that. But I've given you a little bit of a picture. But you change. You repent. You seek the kingdom of God. Join us on the network. Sit down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. Start doing what Christ said for a change. And peace on your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.